Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPEL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. There is a lot of news going on today. Of course, the big thing right now, the, the trending story of the, of the day since this morning has been uh, the Biden documents. That story has continued to unfold. A second set revealed this morning. And then it turns out there was another one. So here's what we know. In November, a trove of documents was found at the Biden Center. In November. In November. A trove of documents was found at the Biden Center, the, the Penn Biden Center, the University of Pennsylvania campus. We now also know that at his home in Wilmington, Joe Biden had another set of documents there. One of those sets of documents was in the garage, locked up with his Corvette. The other document was inside a home office. Here's the timeline. November, okay, so... Merrick Garland comes out today and announces that a special counsel has been appointed. And in fact, Merrick Garland claims that the special counsel had been appointed back in November. And the White House is claiming they didn't know anything about it. Just let that be out there. But here's the timeline according to Merrick Garland. On November 2nd, Biden's lawyers for whatever reason they were closing out that office at the Penn Center, find a batch in that office. They report it to the National Archives. The National Archives forwards it to the DOJ. The DOJ is looking into it. November 10th, apparently, uh, a special counsel is, uh, is appointed in this. December 20th. Biden's lawyers notify of a batch at his garage at his Wilmington home. He got into a little verbal sparring bit with uh, Peter Ducey of Fox News today uh, and said they were locked. It's not like they were out on the street. They were locked up in my garage where I keep my Corvette. He, he mentioned his Corvette a couple times, which was weird. And then he had to force himself to read the statement that his lawyers gave. Then. And this is what confused me because he talked about the Corvette, but then his lawyer statement mentions a home office. Well, then on January 12th, Biden's lawyers notify of another document at his house in Wilmington. That would be the one that was in the home office. So we now have three separate areas. I mean, you can you can say that numbers two and three were at the same house, but they were in different rooms. And neither of them were really secure. So now you've got three areas where classified documents were. And it needs to be made clear the Biden administration set the talking point when Donald Trump, his home was raided at Mar-a-Lago. The, the Trump administration, the Democrats and the media all made the same case. It's not about the level of security. It's not top secret or anything like that. They made sure to say that it's the fact that he had classified materials in an unsecured place in his home. Unsecured classified materials. That was the standard they set. And now here we are months later, and it turns out Joe Biden didn't even meet that standard. What's more, Joe Biden was not the chief executive. He at no point 
had the ability to declassify any of it. He just took the stuff with him, whether it was an accident like they're maintaining or whether it was him wanting to take stuff with him just because he wanted to, kind of like Donald Trump did with the Mar-a-Lago records. It doesn't matter. The standard was set by the Biden administration, by the Democrats, that if you have unsecured classified materials, that is the problem. And now because of that, in order to make it look like the DOJ is being nonpartisan, Merrick Garland has to come out and say, yes, we hired a special counsel. It would not shock me if the case against Trump and his documents all of a sudden went away. We never heard about it again. People keep saying, well, you know, Merrick Garland's investigating Trump, but we never really hear about it again until there's a report dropped off at the end of Joe Biden's term after the election in 2024. But that is the situation here with the Biden documents. We now have for certain knowledge that not only was this discovered before the election, but right after the election, a special counsel was appointed. But no one in the executive branch, no one in the White House, no one at the DOJ, nobody said anything. Despite the fact that everybody really knew. Again, the White House claims they didn't know about the special counsel. And if you take their word, if you take their word for that, they still knew about the documents themselves and kept them quiet for more than two months. That's a pretty big issue. That is something that is not great. So now we have this situation where, you know, you can nuance between the Trump and the Biden situation. I did the other day, broke that down, why they're different. But again, today it has to be noted, the Biden team, the Biden administration set the standard here. They set what they believed was the morality of the situation, which is if you keep confidential, if you keep classified records in an unsecured place, that is the problem, not the specific level of clearance, but just the fact that they are classified documents not being kept secured. And now Joe Biden is shown to have violated that very standard that he set. What's more, Corinne Jean-Pierre at the press conference today maintained there's no there, there's been no lack of, of transparency. There actually has. This was quiet for two months. Transparency would be on November 2nd coming out and saying, my lawyers found this. I've referred it to the DOJ. I'm not getting involved. They will investigate it. And then the story comes and goes. And nobody really says anything else. And then it pops up again in December. They say, okay, we found another batch. We figured out where they were. We're good. But that they're, they're not doing that. They covered it up. And then they, the White House themselves, when they figured it was safe, the White House went ahead, somebody there went ahead and fed that information Two friendly reporters at CBS and the New York Times. The New York Times broke today's story about the location of the second set of documents. This has been a coordinated rollout of this information to to try to mitigate the damage. The problem is it is now officially a double standard because the standard was set by the Biden administration. And you can say the severity of the two situations are different, but not by the standards set by the Biden administration themselves. They set the standard. They now have to own up to the fact that they violate, Joe Biden violated his own standard. 
He says he takes classified documents very seriously. That appears to be a new uh, a newfound faith because he or a newfound uh, trait because he didn't do that when he left the White House as vice president years ago. But that is the lay of the land on the Biden document situation. We will keep an eye on that. Uh, I want to go ahead and take this break because when we come back, I want to talk about the economy. We have the new CPI, the Consumer Price Index reports came out today. There's some good, but there's also some bad. We need to talk about that when we come back here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation. So the Consumer Price Index report came out today for December. And the markets started out relatively happy with it uh, because it, it, it was in line with economic expectations. It was not better or worse than what economists were predicting. They were predicting roughly 6.5% inflation year over year. So, so again, that's not... That's, you know, that's not great. It's better than what it was when it was at its peak of 9.1% in June. However, the what caused inflation to fall was falling fuel prices. Core CPI, which does not include energy or food, was up 5.7% from a year ago. A steep price drop in gasoline is responsible for most of the monthly decline. Prices at the pump tumbled about 9.4% for the month and are now down 1.5% from a year ago after surging past $5 a gallon in mid-2022. Fuel oil slid about 16.6% for the month and also contributed to a total of 4.5% decline in the energy index. However, food prices increased 0.3% in December, while shelter also saw another sharp gain up 8% for the month and now 7.5% higher from a year ago. So food and shelter are up energy's way down. That's what is getting inflation to look like it's dropping a bit. Inflation, however, again, still 6.5% higher than it was last year. That's not good. But because it's showing that it's cooling off a bit, the markets are relatively happy. However, it needs to be noted that the Federal Reserve is still looking at increasing rates. Right now, the markets seem to be okay with it because now they're predicting, oh, well, it's cooling off. The Fed may only do a quarter percent uh, hike. I'm not sure the, the, the Fed may do that, but the Fed is also hinting at the fact that more painful hikes have to come. Now, whether they're going to do it aggressively at three quarters of a percent or just go a quarter of a percent, every, we'll see. Kind of hard to tell. I think they're going to try to be a little bit more aggressive, maybe a half a percent. But I'm not an expert. Let me throw that out there. But if it's just the energy prices dropping, That's causing inflation to go down and food and shelter prices in particular are still going up. Then Americans are not out of the woods yet. And then there's what I mentioned yesterday. And this is, I think, just as important. 
you have to remember that J.P. Morgan and Chase uh, co-chief executive Jamie Dimon said on Tuesday that the Fed could need to lift its benchmark federal funds to 6% to tame inflation. That would be higher than the peak level between 5% and 5.5% in 2023 that most Fed officials projected after their December meeting. Everybody seems to want 5% to be the cap. Uh, Jamie Dimon of J.P. Morgan Chase is saying probably need to go to 6%. Now, I think specifically what he might be calling for is go up to 5 see how that works, and then maybe go up to 6 ease your way up to 6 just to finish cooling everything off. It's not going down the way people were hoping it would with the Fed's aggressive actions. It's going down, but not at the fast pace they were really hoping with these massive hikes. Then there's what I mentioned yesterday about Jerome Powell, Federal Reserve, speaking to Sweden's Riksbank, their central bank on Tuesday, saying price stability is the bedrock of a healthy economy and provides the public with immeasurable benefits over time. But restoring price stability when inflation is high can require measures that are not popular in the short term as we raise interest rates to slow the economy. The absence of direct political control over our decisions allows us to take the necessary measures without considering short-term political factors. What he's saying is we're, we, you know, we don't care about a politician's popularity. We are going to raise the rates. It's in their charter. It is in the Fed's charter to keep inflation down. That is their job. That is the reason they exist. They exist to fight inflation. When inflation goes up, their number one priority is to tick it back down. And the biggest tool they have in their arsenal is the interest rate. So they have to keep raising that. It's going to be painful for you and me. It's not going to be very popular, but it's what the Fed believes they have to do. And I think they're right. They do have to do that. But we're not out of the woods yet. Because, again, we're seeing signs outside of the CPI. And even, you know, the you know uh, inflation rate is still very high. 6.5% is not where they want it to be. It's down less than 3% year over year than where it was in June, but it's still very high. And the primary drop is coming from energy prices, but food and shelter are going up. Two of our basic needs is as humans. And then there's the job report stuff I mentioned yesterday. The fact that along with everything else in the job market, you know, they, you know, we added 223,000 jobs. When you look at the data and the amount of work hours being put in, it's the equivalent of losing $125,000, uh, not dollars, jobs. So in other words, we're losing work hours, we're losing productivity because employers are slowing down hiring. They are bracing for the worst. And if that's the case, then something is happening out there that despite the Biden administration cheering on today's report and cheering on uh, the jobs report on Friday, there still are signs that we are not out of the woods and that, in fact, if things don't stay stagnant, they are going to get worse. And that's what economists and professionals out there are warning of. So today's CPI numbers. 
today's inflation numbers, they're fine. They're okay. But there are some things when you look under the hood that are not as promising, and that has some people worried. The markets aren't worried because they think the interest rate going down, the, the interest rate not jumping up as high as maybe the Fed was wanting, that, that's, that's good for them. But for you and me and for the things we're seeing out there, we're not really out of the woods yet. All right. So before we wrap up here, oh, I just looked at the TV screen that's on in here and uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot's on the screen. It's kind of disturbing. Anyway, uh, we're going to go ahead and take this break. We will be back in just a moment uh, to discuss more. I want to talk about the gas stove thing. I avoided it for a, two, for a couple days. I want to talk about it when we come back right here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. So I haven't talked about this story since it first started coming out a couple days ago. I wanted to give it time because what happened is what's been happening in a lot of these issues. The left takes a position the right reacts to it. The left pretends that wasn't their position. And then they start saying, well, the right is fighting another culture war. And this happened in the case of the gas stove situation. Did the federal government say they're going to ban gas stoves? Well, not quite. What the proposal was, was a means of pretty much regulating new gas stoves out of the market. So if you had an old one, you'd probably be able to keep it, but new, it would be much harder to manufacture and produce and sell new gas top stoves. And really the most energy efficient stovetop out there is an induction stovetop. But like most federal regulations, this would increase uh, this would increase the financial burden on citizens far higher than American citizens are ready for. Induction stovetops are extremely expensive, not just to buy, but also to have installed in your home because you have to uh, you have to change the wiring. Uh, I think I think there's even uh, even circuit even circuitry issue, all of that within your home that you have to deal with in order to be able to get a proper induction stovetop in there. It could cost you a lot of money. Well, this obviously wasn't very popular, so uh, the head of that federal agency came out and said, no, 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 we're not trying to ban stovetops. And, of course, that's the line that the media and the leftists all went with, saying, see, Republicans are just overreacting. We're not trying to ban stovetops, except Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez comes out and says, well, stovetops you know, reduce mental capacity anyway, so why would you want them? This is all based on a study that's about two years old and is really not in any way academically, you know, viable as a, as a study saying that, that gas stoves are dangerous. Do you know how they did the study? They turned on a gas stove in a room that was sealed with plastic and, and, and there was no ventilation. And so the gas levels in that room were far too high. So clearly it's too dangerous. That's not science. That's trying to create a poisonous atmosphere to justify your results. It's another environmentalist study that really doesn't have any actual basis in real science. The uh, Bill, Bill Weir, who is the climate alarmist at CNN, um, said, well, 
uh, you know, having a gas to- a, a gas top stove in your house is more dangerous than leaving your car on the garage and inhaling the fumes, which is just a mind-blowingly stupid thing to say because that's nowhere close to accurate. But this is, like I mentioned the other day, in, in my opinion, the real issue here is the fact that the federal bureaucracy is, is trying, it wants to write these new rules that put burdens on you and me and puts burdens on small businesses that they can't afford right now. Sure, a celebrity chef can come out and complain about this new rule, but a celebrity chef has a popular enough restaurant that they can actually go in and they can, they can do all the renovation work in the kitchen necessary to create, uh, to, you know, when they have to replace the stove, they can afford to go in and, and convert to induction. Smaller businesses, smaller kitchens couldn't do that. And so this has a negative impact on small businesses and a negative impact on you and me. Because electric stovetops, they're okay to use. They're not great, but they're not, they're, they're not great to use. The residual heat, the ineffective even heating, you know, it's very tough to, to cook with. Gas is much easier. and Induction's the best, but again, it's super expensive. This creates an unnecessary burden on you and me. And so this issue is another issue, in, in my opinion, This is more of an issue of the bureaucracy coming up with stupid rules based on an agenda rather than actually meeting the needs of the American citizen. And I think that's what's what gets a lot of what gets missed in a lot of this culture war stuff where the left is saying this is culture war nonsense. The right starts attacking the left over the culture war claims and all that. And then we we miss the underlying issue here, which is stupid bureaucracy. All right. Two, three, two, fifteen, forty two. If you want to call in or you can leave a message on the KPL app. We've got a call on the line now. Hi, welcome to the Joe Cunningham show. Who am I talking to? It's Ronnie. Hey, Ronnie, what you got? Well, you're right. Uh, It's kind of insane. You know, uh, every restaurant I work in a restaurant, every restaurant I know, nobody uses an electric stove. So therefore, how many restaurants are in the United States would probably say they're going to go broke because they can't afford electricity. And secondly, she doesn't even know what a, a garbage disposal is. That's true. I mean, so she's no expert in kitchen equipment. Well, you know I mean, what I mean? If you, if you actually go and look, and this is something somebody else pointed out, if you, because Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez loves to go on Instagram Live, and she's, she's broadcast from her kitchen before, you can see a gas top stove behind her, which may actually justify her claim about mental, uh, uh, affecting your mental capabilities, if that's the case. But... We know that's not we know that's not really true. There's no scientific study that shows that, but out she goes and runs her mouth. And really, if you want to know the truth, because I've talked to some people on the left, they're like, Well, this woman please shut up because she is actually hurting the cause. They want everybody to convert to induction, which is a lot more expensive but more energy efficient. I mean, and, and you say you've you've worked in that business. Can can ev- can every restaurant in the business afford thousands of dollars of renovations converting from gas to induction? No way. Yeah, ninety uh, percent of them shut down. There's, there's no way. Yeah, and 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 I think that's again, that's there's these bureaucrats that sit in these cubicles and they think up rules and they have no actual clue how the businesses and the people they affect would would be hurt by these rules. Well, as far as I'm concerned, Democratic Party is not for the people. They mm-hmm. say they are, but they're not. I mean, there's so many stupid things they've come up with in the last two or three years that go anti everything. Yeah. I mean, it's outside their base, but anti-everything. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You have a great show. All right. Thank you very I love, much. I like listening to you. All right. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you for the call. All right. 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. And you know, he mentioned something else there. 
there's a growing school of thought, even among the left, the the uh, the the strategists and the people who are really concerned with the with Democrats winning elections are starting to point something out. The the ones that are that really have a, a better feel of the pulse of the people. They've realized something and the, the Democratic elites haven't realized it yet. The Democratic Party claims before the people, in particular, they claim to be for the working class. But increasingly, they have shown themselves to be the party of the academics. And the working class is actually starting to shift over to the Republican Party because of that, because they feel like they're no longer being represented by the elites and the academics in the Democratic Party. It's a very interesting kind of trend that even the strategists of the Democratic Party are pointing out saying, you know why you're losing Hispanic voters? You know why you're losing black voters? You know why you're losing blue-collar workers and union workers? It's because you don't represent them anymore. And the Democratic Party upper echelon doesn't seem to be getting that. All right, let's go back to the phone line. Hi, welcome to the Joe Cunningham Show. Who am I talking to? Hey, is this Larry? I mean, Larry? Hey, Larry, how are you? Hey, fine. Hey, look, I just uh, thanks for taking my call. I just want to point out... Uh, you know, early in, in the 1990s, uh, when they were going after chlorophor cavens, uh, you know, refrigerants, R22, Freon, you know, instead of banning uh, the air conditioning units, they just made it so expensive to buy Freon. So I'm just kind of wondering if they might do the same thing instead of banning gas stoves, they just might make it so so expensive to buy uh, natural gas or propane and, and stuff like that. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, well, that's going to be part of it. But they're also, the, the rules will be written because they did the same thing to dishwashers not too long ago, if you'll remember. What they did is they made the rules for manufacturing so more difficult and so much more expensive on the manufacturer that even if they do get them to market, they have to jack up the price in order to break even on it. Exactly. So it seems like they start with a, a, a higher goal mm-hmm. of, like, let's get rid of all the gas stoves. But when they can't get that, they just write in some legislation to where, okay, well, we're just going to make natural gas so expensive to where people are going to go to electric. I mean, and, and how do we get our, our electric by right. burning fluorocarbon? Yeah, exactly. And it's not even going to be legislation. This is going to be a federal bureaucracy that comes up with the rule, which goes back to what I was saying earlier this or, or late, you know, Back in 2022, I'm glad for the EPA versus West or the West Virginia versus EPA decision at the Supreme Court, because now there's precedent for somebody to go in and file a lawsuit and say, hey, you're making up a law that you have no power to make. You're not a legislative body. This has to go through Congress and Congress had to give you that power. So the federal bureaucracies that may try to try this now might actually be stymied in court a little bit because of it. Right, exactly. So anyway, so it's a, it's a battle, and I, you know, I wish we had a magic pill or something we could just do to make it all go away. But uh, that's the big question: is like, you know, how do we fight this? How do we, how do we try to make this right? Because it just seems in this world today that too much evil is winning. And well, what do we got to do to make this right? Well, it, it's it's gonna have to start with the. I know you don't have the answer to no. that. No, no, I don't no, think I... anybody does. It, it It's going to take competent people running for office and actually getting into office and doing the right things, which, frankly, both sides of the aisle, they're running for the job. 
not just that. I mean, people are so, so scared to run for yeah. any type of office because they're just going to be ripped to shreds, you know. Yeah. But anyway, hey, thanks for taking my call and uh, enjoy your program. All right. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right. Let's take one more call before we go to the break. Hey, Renee, how are you doing today? Okay, I, I don't care how many competent people you put running for office. There's always going to be a whole bananas, a whole gigantic, massive group of morons that go vote for the stupid one anyway. So the, it, 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 I mean, I, I don't want to sound like defeatist, but that's how we got in the problem we're in right now. It don't matter how many good, competent people you put up there, the masses wants trash. They're stupid. Uh, I'm sorry. That's the truth. They're uneducated. They don't know the facts. They're stupid. And another thing about this this uh, this approach, it brings out a whole bunch of problems we have. More business for China because they dominate crappy electrical uh, engineering and, and products. More more so than COVID, planned obsolescence is the biggest pandemic we have. So we're going to have a bunch of stoves that don't last long made in China. And, and the poor people, in the end, it's going to suffer. One more thing, the socialists and the Democrats, they're not like the ones of yesterday. They're in the, they're in the cahoots with woke industry more so than, I mean, just as much as the Republicans. That's the problem. Somebody's going to make a killing off of this. Yeah, and you know, Renee, good points. Thank you very much for calling in. Um, I'll, I'll like to go to Renee because of his, uh, his bright and sunshiny optimism. We're going to come back from the break. I want to talk a little bit more about some of these issues right here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. You know, Renee mentioned China, and, the, and he's, he was right on the money in talking about China, which reminded me of a clip that I saw a little while ago. Uh, a friend of mine, Eric Erickson, without whom I would not be uh, doing the political writing and back in the radio business, um, he has a clip with uh, with the Young America's Foundation. Uh, and I, wa- I want you to listen to what Eric has to say on China. It's kind of a lengthy piece, but it, it brings up some really good points. Not since the American Civil War has American corporations been so dependent on slave labor and it's time to make them stop. China controls so much of the American marketplace with so much made in China and so much of it is made with slave labor. We've seen the internment camps. BBC has covered the internment camps. CNN and American media outlets have done it as well. And yet Disney, Nike, Apple, and so many major American corporations continue to do business in China. And the profits we send to China are funding the military that wants to take over the world from us and to become the dominant superpower on the planet, a superpower that does not allow free expression, that does not allow the right to keep and bear arms, that does not allow you and me as people of faith to practice our faith. Throughout China, they tear down churches and they round up pastors and they kill them, they disappear them, or they send them to re-education camps. In the Uyghur provinces, they round them up and separate mothers and fathers from children to teach the children to hate their parents and hate their values and hate their religion. Never have we lived at a time in the 20th and 21st century where we have to be conscious of the fact that the products we use may be coming from people who are making them against their will. Since the American Civil War, Americans have not had to think about these things. And yet now, as China grows and uses its people to feed the American commerce system, these are things we have to think about. We have a moral obligation. We've gone from never again after World War II to, eh, but it costs not so much. 
Now is the time for American consumers to start telling Apple, you may need to rethink this. There are plenty of other companies or countries on the planet where you could make these. Disney makes their movies in China. The Chinese won't even show them in the Chinese box office, but Disney itself wants to make cheap movies in China because they want the profits from China. They're willing to turn a blind eye. They made the movie Mulan in the same area of China that has the concentration camps where they round up the Uyghurs. Nike lectures Americans on American civic values and civil rights, and yet Nike makes tons of money out of China. The NBA lectures us on our social duties and social justice and turns a complete blind eye to the Chinese, killing their dissidents, rounding people up, silencing them, tearing down monuments and churches. How dare Nike lecture us about our society? ESPN commentators say, well, we can't lecture China on anything because look at the United States. Yes, look at the United States. People are crossing our southern border illegally to get here for a better life. Amen. Eric's right on the money there. And I think that that's... We do, and I've mentioned this before, we need to try to begin divesting ourselves, divesting our economy away from the Chinese. And it's time to really start standing up to American corporations that are turning to China for cheap labor, for cheap production. The fact that they use slave and child labor in order to make the things that come out into American markets. It looks like Apple is trying to break away from that a little bit. You know, He references Apple. He and I are both avid Apple users. But Apple's not the only one. Apple's trying to to make the change. They have not completed that change. They're trying, but it's going slow because, again, such a huge part of their business interest is in China. At the same time, Nike, the NBA, Disney, a bunch of these corporations, a lot of news corporations get a lot of funding from China. A lot of the American university, a lot of American universities get donations from the Chinese. In fact, it looks like uh, the University of Pennsylvania, where the Penn Biden office was that those documents were in, it looks like the University of Pennsylvania actually lobbied the FBI to stop investigating Chinese uh, donations to academic programs after receiving donations from the Chinese. There is a whole lot that we need to do to divest ourselves from the Chinese and try to work on the American economy standing on its own again. All right, that's it for me. 23 hours until I return here on the Joe Cunningham Show. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. And of course, you can find me on Substack, joecunninghamshow.substack.com. Shannon is offsides next. This is Joe Cunningham signing out here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.